welcome to the podcast. This is your host, the letter Z, also known as Alex. Uh, this is a very special episode for us. We will be in conversation with a friend of the podcast, Charles Anderson, also known as Chuck. He's a marriage and family therapist from Fairfield, California. Uh, someone who is really in the line of how to make people better when it comes to uh, mental and emotional health. Uh, trauma therapist as well so he will be talking with us uh, about what we can do to strengthen our mental health um, what we can do to stay positive and we cover plenty of topics during this uh, small episode but we do hope to do this again in the future we hope you really enjoy and take benefit from it Um, it was a great conversation and uh, this is another one that we've had to do remotely just because of the circumstances that is surrounding the whole COVID situation. But we really hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it for you. If you have any questions and you feel like some of this information really touched you and maybe you can benefit from speaking to him directly, his social media will be in the description as well as his email so you can reach out to him and he can give you some guidance and help as well. Once again, thank you so much for listening and continue to enjoy this podcast as we continue to bring you more content in the future. Thanks. Hey guys, welcome back to the Prep and Ref podcast. This is your host, Alex, the letter Z, and with me is... What's up, guys? Demonic, back again. I missed you guys. He just says that. But anyways, we have with but us a special I, I do guest. Say it. I do kind of say it, though, you know, because I feel obligated to say it because, you know, if, if I make it seem like I'm just, you know, self-centered and it's all about me, then people will stop listening. So, you know, I can't make it like, well, then again, you know, I also do have personal issues, but as you were saying, you know, maybe my personal issues will be fixed today. Who knows? Today, we have a very special guest and I'll let uh, you, Demonic, talk about who it is. So... I'm glad to introduce this personal friend of mine. He is a really funny guy. I've known him for a while now. We actually, it's funny though, because how we uh, how we got in touch was through gaming. We It was back then in the, what was it? Black Ops 3? No, Black Ops 2. Somewhere, I think, no, Black Ops 3. It was Black Ops 3 Zombies. Uh, my for sister. Those, for those that don't know, you're referring to Black Ops as in? what the call of duty call of duty black yeah i was a zombie so uh one day randomly my sister invites me right to like start playing this game and like to start playing zombies right you know i'm like sure why not next thing you know this 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 amazing amazing chocolate voiced man like on the other side i'm like what who is this angel you know and this angel his name's chuck anderson charles anderson and i'll let you go ahead and you know talk a little bit about yourself Tell the podcast. Awesome. Hello, everybody. My name is Charles Anderson. I go by Chuck. Uh, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist up here in Fairfield, California. Uh, my company is called My Niche Therapy. Uh, and I pretty much uh, treat most mental health and substance abuse clients, a uh, wide range of different disorders that fall under that umbrella. So uh, yeah, I love what I do, uh, and I game to relax. <laughs> right, you have to. I mean, after listening to like everybody else's problems, right? The way, the best way how to how to deal with your own is like blowing people's heads off on the exactly. internet, right? <laughs> you got to find some way to do it. So, 
how did you get into that field? I think uh, it would be best to start for like our audience to start to get to know you by kind of understanding a little bit how you got into it. Cause it's such an interesting field. There's so many ways to like go about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So, um, man, I've always been interested in, in like people watching. I don't know if you ever sat at like a mall and just watch people do what they do. Uh, uh, I'm actually not allowed to do that. I'm, I have a few restraining that's orders. True. That's true. Yeah, man. Sometimes you need that. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I just remember even as a kid, like, you know, I was always fascinated with watching what people do, kind of why they move the way they move and different things like that. So growing up, uh, I've always kind of sat back and watched, um, but I was still very talkative. Uh, and um, when I left home, I went to the Air Force and I was an air, aircraft mechanic for about 10 years. And from there, I went and got into the construction industry. Uh, and became a construction engineer. Uh, and I worked on some large projects up here in Northern California. Uh, and then in 09, when the recession hit, uh, I found myself in a quandary uh, for about a year. I couldn't find work. And it was during that year, I was talking to uh, some fellow friends of mine, some good friends that uh, were also in the construction industry and a few of them owned their own business. And one day a buddy of mine, uh, he questioned me in a sense of saying, hey, what do I love to do? And I couldn't figure that out. Like I, I have a lot, of pa lot of things that I'm passionate about, but absolutely love to do. I couldn't figure that out. Uh, and he said to me, you figure out what you love to do and make that your career, um, which I had never heard anything like that. So uh, I knew talking, leaving that conversation, it was very different. He also said, a, a job is something anybody can get, right? You can get a job anywhere, but a career is very hard to find. And he said, you figure out what you love to do and you make that your career. So, you know, I like making money. That was one thing that I like to do. I mean, who doesn't? Uh, and I absolutely love people, like just, having conversations and, and talking with people and, and uh, anything that's associated. Even when I was in construction, it, doing the engineering part, it was more of, you know, I like being out in the field, talking with the contractors who were building the building and figuring out what they would do to build the buildings that my co cohorts would design. And so uh, right then I was trying to figure it out. It took me about three weeks consistently for three weeks just trying to figure out what is it that I love to do and like I said it was absolutely it was people but I didn't know how to link those two together I like money and I like people and so I looked at that and I looked at the industry at the time and the thing in construction which we're still doing now today what's going up the fastest and the most is hospitals schools and prisons well, I knew I didn't want to build any prisons. I knew I didn't want to work at a school or build a school. So I was like, hey, a hospital, I can run a hospital. So I started going back to school. I didn't have a degree at all. Uh, and so I started to get my schooling done. Uh, and when I first launched out, I went to and got my associate's degree in healthcare administration. Because at that time, I thought to be able to run a hospital, you got to become like a doctor. You have to know what they know. And so 
uh, I started out as a, like I said, a healthcare uh, administrator. And then from there, once I was done with that, I, I really got into school and I didn't, before I didn't really value school like that, like higher education. It's really weird. Cause I was like, I thought everything I could get, I could gain on my own, like the, my own knowledge, my own, you know, like even in construction, I was taught how to do it without having a lot of the education behind it, you know, like the schooling and the why I, I read a lot of books on my own trying to figure those things out. And, you know, it, it proved very healthy to me, but my mindset was like, why would I go to school to do something that I can learn on my own? Uh, I just had that kind of mentality. But as I was enrolled in school and going through that, when I got my associate's degree, I took an assessment of what career fields kind of suit my personality and everything pointed to psychology and so i was like well i'm already in school let's keep going and as i got into my first class in psychology i just kind of fell in love with it i was like oh this is it this is it this is this is exactly what i'm talking about so uh there what what was the moment i don't mean to interrupt you but what was the moment where you knew this was it like what made like the light bulb light up where you'd be like this is it man this is really so the first class that I took was a class called abnormal psychology and abnormal psych talks about all the different disorders out there that uh, would substantiate people as not being normal. So it's some of your, some of your disorders like uh, multiple personality disorder, you know, uh, people who have multiple personalities now it's called dual identity disorder. It's not called that anymore, but uh, I just found that really fascinating. Like, how can a person switch, you know, who they are in one moment and then the next moment there's somebody completely different and have no recollection of that? And I was like, oh. it's like that movie. Um, what's it called? That movie where, uh, dang, who is it? You know, uh, Professor X, like the guy that plays Professor X, yeah. the young one. The um, he's um, he's in it, but I keep on forgetting Wait. the name of that movie. It's where he's, yeah, yeah, is That's that one? one of my yeah, movies, where he's man. like. It's Yes, yeah, really, man, yes. that movie's really good. Absolutely. It's so crazy though, because at first, like, like, oh, it's Patricia, you know, and he's like all these other, he's all these other um, characters, and at the end, he's like, well, I'm not gonna ruin it. Never mind. No, <laughs> That's the way it is. Yeah, man. End, so that was kind of like my introductory to the the field, and I remember just I wanted to learn more, and that was like one of the very first times as an adult where I was really wanting and desiring to know more. Uh, and so from there, I just launched into it, uh, went through that uh, whole psychology course. Uh, it took about three years to get through that. And I just loved it. And I wanted to go further. And so at the end of that, I took another assessment to try and figure out where I wanted to go from there. Because I, you know, psychology is one of those things that you could you could use in everyday life and in every career you get into. But for me, it was like, okay, what do I want to do? And at the time I was, I was uh, managing a, I was a warehouse manager for a clothing industry. And uh, I just remember, I just wanted to go further. I just wanted to keep going because there was something different. Uh, and so I got into the master's program for marriage and family, marriage and family therapy. And, you know, that's kind of how I got here three years in that program, met some cool people along the way, had a lot of struggles along the way, learned a ton about myself along the way. And, uh, 
you know, persevered through all of that, got my license, and now I'm in my own private practice. So pretty wow. much like you like to you like to decode people's brains, right? You like to like crack open their skull and see like what makes you like function or why why is it that you like you feel like you're going through this? That's pretty much how you are. Absolutely. Huh? Um I mean we all go through things, right? I don't I try very hard to not do it after hours. <laughs> you know, I, I have right. to have the last thing you want to do is do that again. Yeah, if you cook pizza all day, the last thing you want to do is come home and make some pizza. Absolutely. Uh, but it's very hard once you're once you're in that realm. It's like once you figure out what you love to do, it's like hard to shut it off because that's your life in a Right. I bet I bet your wife loves you, right? Like she's gonna be mad at you because you haven't thrown out the garbage for three days and you're like, but why are you really exactly. mad? Is it because of the garbage or what what happened to you as a little person as as a young as a young woman, you know, that you're that you're bringing it out right. now. Yeah, I learned early on not to do that. So this is a, a sacred ground because she'll be like, Stop psychoanalyzing me. Oh, that's what I was doing. <laughs> Do you ever find it, uh, I guess it's like an engineer, right? If you work in engineering, every time you look at a phone or you look at a staircase or another car, you, you can't help but just like break it down because it's something that's already in you, something you like to do. But by the sounds of it, you were already like a curious person. You were somewhat of an observer, right? Even since you were a kid by the sounds Absolutely. of it. So like, what's the most like rewarding and what's the most difficult, like, you know, parts of being somebody who like is trying to be a, well, you're a mental coach in a sense as well too right because you're teaching somebody how to master their emotions and deal with it so what's the most rewarding what's the most difficult part let me start with the most difficult the most difficult is helping someone unlock their potential when their minds tell them that they are worthless and the older a person gets in that mentality the harder it is to break that cycle because you become accustomed to a certain way of living. It's been reinforced over reinforced the years. Reinforced over the years. Also, you got more discouragements, more heartaches, more heartbreaks. Um, and then, you know, hearing the trauma that uh, most people deal with is really difficult at times as well. Um, because trauma is one of those things that a lot of people experience and it stinks that they have to go through that. Um, so to see it, to hear it and to hear how common it is, that's kind of one of the downsides of what we do. Um, rewarding side is seeing somebody come out on the other side and accomplish their treatment goals, accomplish things in life. Uh, for instance, you know, if a person comes in to my office and, you know, they have a substance abuse problem or an addiction and we work really hard to get through those addictions and they have, you know, accumulated some sobriety, accumulated a different thought process on how to uh, think about life without substances and then live their life to the best they can without the substance, but have tools to manage it. That's very rewarding. And then, you know, to see them years later thriving, oh man, that's, that's like, that's life right there. Yeah. You know, I so, I had a client that, you know, was just just immobilized by fear, guilt, doubt, uh and you know, working with uh that that client for about 
I want to say eight months, uh, we were able to get through some tough things in his childhood, some tough things in his teenage years and his adult life. And, you know, he went from living at, you know, out of pretty much out of, you know, anywhere he could find like a basement in somebody or not a basement, a room in someone's house uh, to sometimes in his car. Now he has a full time job. Uh, he lost a ton of weight in the process uh, is thriving now thriving and you know and he's substance free you know what's crazy though like it's it's so weird how people like just talking about their issues resolves a lot because you know i don't know if you've seen like in movies in cartoons therapy usually gets like you know crapped on you know they're like oh you know i'm like i don't know i'm paying you so much money to you know you tell me what's wrong with me you know but like listening to you talk it's it's so crazy how you know, you can go from like being at rock bottom, you know, like abusing drugs or, you know, scared out of like for everything, you know, or, or suicidal, you know, like whatever, whatever it may be. It's so crazy how, you know, going to a therapist and the therapist knows like how to talk to you, how to talk, how to bring you out of, you know, your closed in bubble, you know, how you can, um, how to unlock that potential, you know, of not being in the state of mind where you're at now. It's, it's crazy, like, how, you know, how they can do that. Like, it's just, um, you have to have a lot of patience, huh? Like, you have to be, like, like very calming, very patient in this in this field you're working in, right? Absolutely. Um, and some, again, like I said, some of those things are just learned along the way. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's almost attributed to being you know, a, I don't know what snipers in the military go through, right? But the training and the discipline that they have to have to be out in the field. I mean, I've watched a lot of movies that have, you know, some violence and stuff in them, action, right? <laughs> and so you see how right. the training that they go through sometimes just to become what they are, it's the same way for a therapist. Like we get trained along the way and we have to do a, a, a lot of hours prior to getting our license so that you can work out a lot of that issues that may pre preclude you from pursuing this career. Uh, and it's not for everyone. Everyone doesn't fulfill this part of the journey and become licensed because it's grueling. Um, but along the way, you learn how to be patient. You learn how sometimes it's just, therapy can be just listening for somebody. And for me, that was really hard because I like to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I just be honest, it was really hard. But then after a while, you just realize like, it's not about you, the per you, the therapist. It's about that person sitting in front of you and letting them tell their story. And you kind of act as a guide along the way. Uh, so I have to ask you this because I believe it's California state law or it's probably federal law that you have to have one of those couches where people lay down on. Is it no. true? <laughs> that's, that's old uh -huh. school. So you talked about it a few minutes ago, like how therapy got a bad rap. Working into the stereotype, man. Right into yeah, the stereotype, bro. Stereotype. <laughs> My listeners want to know these kind of hard questions, all right? It's, this isn't going to be like, you know, one of those softball interviews. No, like my 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 peeps need to know if you have one of those comfy sofas for them to lay down on. I think you're talking about a different type of movie and video altogether, yeah. bro. <laughs> I don't think those kind of couches are good for uh, 
therapy. So I do, <laughs> you know I do have a couch. Maybe for massage. Believe it or not. But <laughs> it's not the one that you see on TV. It's one where, because I do a couple's therapy as well, so that they can sit next to each other. I do have a couch. And, you know, when, you know, I have a break in my schedule, I take a nap. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So I also wanted to ask you, um, so since you are a uh, substance abuse substance abuse therapist and a marriage therapist, uh, is there any kind of other therapies that you do or just primarily stick to those so right there? My specialty is trauma, anything trauma related. Uh, we're talking post-traumatic stress, uh, any type of uh, violent acts committed. Uh, I also deal a little bit in forensics. Uh, meaning, you know, folks involved in the penal system. Um, you know, if you watch any type of movie that has to deal with the penal system and someone incarcerated, you know, there's tons of trauma that come from that. So uh, I deal in that a little bit. Uh, but my specialty and what I'm honing my craft in is uh, dealing with the trauma because most of the time when there is substance abuse, you will find trauma. When, it, when there's people escaping their normal activities and running to, you know, hidden places, it's typically a trauma that triggers that. Uh, so I have, I'm trained, I'm a certified trauma therapist, uh, meaning, you know, I took some classes and paid a lot of money to learn how to help unlock somebody with that. I'm also trained in a therapy called uh, EMDR. Uh, it's called Eye Movement reprocessing desensitization, something like that. I still can't get the name fully right, but it helps a person um, take their trauma and reduce the effects of it in their mind. So for instance, if a person is deathly afraid of spiders, well, we do some work and we identify what makes them afraid of the spider and we take a situation and we kind of desensitize them to that situation over time. So getting them exposed to it little by little, more or less, or maybe different ways, but that would be one of the yeah. methods, I would imagine, so right? That, no? When you say exposed, yes, in a sense of we write it down. So I won't be bringing in like live spiders and say, here, hold the right, spider right. in your hand. No, yeah. it's not, yeah. not that. There is a therapy that does that. It's called exposure therapy, but that's not what EMDR is. EMDR is taking a thought and taking some of the the power out of that thought. Okay, so you're pretty much like not giving it power at all. So like, like you can't control me. Like you know, you're you're less than you know what I'm making you out to there be. There you go. Exactly. Much. It's not as grand as we make it out to be in our mind. Right, right. That's pretty cool. So another thing I also wanted to ask you, so ever since, you know, this whole COVID-19 has happened, you know, uh, ever since like statewide, you know, like ev everybody's been locking down, you know, you've seen a lot of people uh, just confined to their, their apartment, their home, they're not allowed to go out, they're not allowed to go to, you know, parks or really interact with people outside of, you know, their phone or gaming or whatever. There, I have seen reviews or studies, whatever, that there has been a really, really like high spike in suicides, you know, and a lot of people like with mental issues, you know, this, this has gotten worse for them, you know, because they don't know how to, they don't know how to deal with something abnormal. You know, they're used to normal life. They're used to going out, walking around, you know, they're used to handshakes, you know, and out of nowhere, everything flips like 180 where you can't 
interact with uh, normal people anymore. You know, you, you can't you can't go to the store. You can't do this or do that. Uh, I wanted to know um, in your field of work, have you seen like a spike in clientele, like whether it's with you or like in your community, you know, of, of other therapists, like have, have a lot of people been seeking out therapy for all this COVID stuff going on? Absolutely. There's a increase in what we see. Um, although for me, it's, it's trickling in a little bit slower because I'm in a private practice. Uh, typically the folks that, um, go that are getting seen quicker are going to hospitals things like that and they are you know they have some other things going on um but yes i would say within the last few months um i almost doubled my clientele um and that is due to a number of factors um which i i personally attribute it to we as Americans are used to having our freedom. Our freedom has now been somewhat taken away. And for something that we are very new to understanding, which is the COVID. Uh, some people believe it's real, some people don't. Uh, media hypes it, our, our friends dehype it. Uh, older people who are more susceptible are more afraid. Younger people who aren't as susceptible aren't as afraid. And so you have children against their parents because their parents may be more afraid and their children aren't. And then the parents get angry and say, no, you can't go outside. And the children are like, why can't I go outside? And so you got this big internal fight. And if you know, as much as I know, parents, we don't have a lot of bandwidth. So we're like, go outside then before you come in the house and make sure you take a shower before you come inside. <laughs> so, you know, that's a hypothetical, but uh, it's real. It It is real. Uh, folks are af afraid. They are seeking out more help, more, more um, therapeutic resources because, you know, this is a, an unknown time for a lot of us. Uh, and I'd, I'd be... Uh, dishonest if I didn't say all of us have some fear about what's happening. Other, Some of us just deal with it better than others. So, and that's kind of where we come in as therapists to kind of help people understand, like, what can you do? Well, you can listen to medical staff if you trust them. Um, you know, you can go to trusted sources uh, no sources would be anything related to medicine and not a news program because a lot of the news programs are funded by, you know, not so good sources and they'll put out their stuff that they want. Uh, things like the National Institute of Health uh, is where you would go to find real information that's not governed by, you know, some source of um, how would you say it? Like it's not governed by a pharmaceutical company or something like that, right? Right. They no, have no. They have no, no special interest. interest. Right. There you go. Special interest, and they just have like the the interest of the public for itself. Uh, you know, a lot of the government issues are like that. Uh, some folks may say, "Well, I don't trust the government." Well, you know, hopefully you would trust 
the medical staff that's out there to do what they do. You know, if, if I would, I would attribute something like that to, if you wound up with cancer, would you go to a news source or would you go to a doctor that specializes yeah, in right. cancer? Um, so yeah, I, I'm for one very happy that you you agreed and are on this podcast with us because I I think we've talked about different um, things besides just like. Besides philosophy, we went into like some mental. Uh, in fact, the last one of the last podcasts we did uh, a few weeks back, a few a few episodes ago, we did a, a whole segment about how to keep recommendations, even though we weren't like trained professionals and we weren't uh, you know advocating for specific solutions to uh, guarding you know safeguarding mental health. We had uh, talked about how rampant it seems uh, negativity has you know taken over like most people if you look at social media that's one of the things that you'll find for the most part right so one of the biggest recommendations is if you can you know fight the strength the twitch that you have to be on social media just delete the account itself just try to do your best to keep a positive outlook on things and obviously the one thing that will paralyze people the most is uncertainty right if you don't know who to trust if your wife tells you one thing but your you know your parents tell you another thing you're like man you become paralyzed because you're not really sure who not only do, do you don't want to you know you don't want to unplease at either one but you also don't want to make a wrong decision that could potentially affect the rest of the family or yourself and your longevity so being that you're in the mental health field and you're you're a therapist you know licensed therapist that is a certified and licensed therapist that's helping you know both in the capacity of someone who's been through trauma or someone who's dealing with relationship issues what i'm trying to ask is what do you do to de-stress? Because it's hard already for those people that don't know how to do it. So for you in your field, not only do you have to worry about the, the stress that you're dealing with personally, because as a human being, you have your own stresses for sure. Then you have your relationship, because you mentioned before you're married, right? Or you have somebody. You, so you have that stress. Plus, now you have to have enough of a, a heart, enough of a capacity to now take the influx of new patients, of new clients, and be able to give everybody an equal opportunity to be able to solve their issues. So how, how do you de-stress besides using video games as a distraction? Because video games are a distraction. They're fun. But you also have to have time to manage your own mental health. So how do you do Oh, that? absolutely. So I was going to say before you said video games, I, that is my de-stressor, honestly. Uh, one of them. One of them. It's a It's a part of my life where I don't have to think real hard, if you could imagine that. Uh, yeah, you do have to, you know, figure out how someone else is playing. But for me, it's just, it's a way that I, it's a different load to, to download and even take out some of my frustrations. <laughs> Cause if you do any type <laughs> of online game and you know, there's people that talk and, and sometimes I just, I just say random things on there and it's just like, man, it feels good not to be in a therapist mode right here. Uh, and if you guys, if you guys watch my stream, I mean, I know I haven't done it for a while, but if you guys watch my stream and you guys catch me and Paul on there, you guys are going to trust me. You know, that's not a pause. Well, I'm calling Paul. Okay. Sorry. Let me rephrase it. Uh, I call him, his name is Paul on Call of Duty. All right. So when I say Paul, I'm actually talking about Charles, but yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> when we're playing Call of Duty, like I'm just letting you guys know right now, that's not his professional side, all right? So don't take his Call of Duty side as him right now and I, and what he's talking about. So, so I've created that dual identity for myself. No, I'm kidding. Uh, right, exactly. But yeah, I mean, talking about real life stress relief, um, I also there's a there's something called deep breathing. Uh, a lot of people don't 
believe it works. Uh, and But I, I think they don't understand why it does work. And that's one of the things that I personally do. Like I'll do it in, in a session when I'm with somebody, if something gets really heavy for me, I'll take a deep breath and practice some of that right there in session. I also make sure I do a lot of self-care. Self-care meaning uh, taking time out to relax and do the things that I enjoy doing. Um, and what's funny is before COVID hit, one of those things for me was bowling. Uh, I joined uh, a bowling league and we were bowling like, you know, once a week and my family, we were going on Friday nights and well, that got taken away, right? Because they closed all the bowling alleys. So what do I do now? Uh, I spend time with my family and we play this game called, I can't, I don't know if you guys allow me to talk about this game, but it's a game. No, go it's for a it. game called, I, I know, I know what a killer. Oh my gosh. It's, it's awesome. Uh, you have to pay for it, but yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's a little bit on the lines of psychology where you are figuring things out, but it's just, it's just a cool way to interact. Um, and try and figure things out. I mean, it's right along the th lines of the things that I love to do. So we do that. I actually bought a little bowling set for in my house. Me and my grandkids play with that. Uh, so I'm still bowling. It's just different. Uh, and I also make sure we get out and, you know, take a few rides up and down the coast every now and again, or, you know, go camping at our favorite campsite, social distances, of course. Uh, so yeah, those are the things. Self-care is important whether we have COVID or not. Um, I believe in self-care for anyone who works a job and anyone who lives a life, like self-care is a must. Um, if you're I think that's even more important too for those people that are dealing or helping directly others, right? Like doctors, you're talking about therapists, people that are directly, you're the lifeline for a lot of people, whether, you know, you, I'm sure you realize it, but there's others that don't realize how much of a lifeline they are to other people. So if you don't take care of yourself, you're only dragging not only yourself, but other people, your kids, potentially your grandchildren that look up to you. So that's really good that you're, you, I mean, obviously you realize that and it's great that you, to hear So that what's crazy that. is like, you know, the analogy I, I learned and I continue to use almost on a daily basis is you're right. We are in communication with somebody every day and think about getting on an airplane and you know you're going somewhere if you've never been on the airplane there's a right when they close the door and the plane starts to taxi out they have a safety briefing and in that briefing there's you know a steward or a stewardess says they give you some safety things they say hey if this oxygen mask dropped from the ceiling put yours on first because if the cabin loses pressure you want to make sure that you're okay to help the person right next to you. In life, it's the same way. Imagine just giving, 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 and nobody gave back to you. You're going to be running on empty pretty soon. If you're looking for people to give back to you, most people don't have that capacity because they're used to giving themselves in some capacity. And who teaches you about taking care of yourself? Pretty much nobody people say, hey, stop being so selfish. It's not being selfish to make sure you do something that you enjoy doing so that you're refreshed and able to help that other person. I wanted to ask you this because um, I've often heard this explained a few different ways, but I think, I mean, obviously it sounds, 
I, I can't I don't say I know everything. I want to always continue to learn, and that's a I think a good trait in, in like everybody. But when it comes to like uh, taking time for yourself, I, I strongly believe what you're saying. Obviously, that that's very very true. I've always uh, sometimes struggled to find time to you know take care of myself, but we all need to. So when you, I've heard this expression negativity is based off of selfishness and i was like how is that possible right and i had somebody explain it to me this way and i want to hear what you think about it maybe you can give me um your your notes on it so when when this person told me this and it was many years ago when i was younger um i didn't i didn't understand i waited a while and then that person clarified what they meant was that when someone is negative is usually because they're thinking about themselves I'm like, okay, so again, I don't understand. So he said, okay, well, think about what a negative person tends to say. Nobody likes me. Nobody cares about me. No one listens to me. No one, you know, really pays attention to me. I feel, I feel very sad. I feel very neglected. I mean, not to say that that isn't true, but if you notice either at the beginning of every sentence or at the end of every sentence, there is a capital, you know, M or an I right? Referring to the fact that they're thinking about themselves, not to say that it's not justified and they shouldn't feel that way, but it is technically true, right? When you, when you don't, when you don't help others or when you don't give, when you don't give to others or when you don't have time to focus on other people's problems, you focus on your own. Not that you, that you shouldn't because then you'd never solve them if you never give your problems time, but it tends to be like a lot of negative people end up focusing on how alone they are, how sad they are. And Stop focusing on the things that they have around them. Like, maybe I should call Jim and see how he's doing. Maybe I should, instead of that, they're just like, why? I'm so alone, man. No one's called me today. It's been 25 hours. No one's called me. No one's texted me. Like, you begin to spiral down because you begin to think about yourself. But that may that may not be completely true, but I remember that was something that stuck with me. But now that I have somebody that knows more about the subject, what do you think about that expression or that thought? Because it may not be true in all cases, but what do you think? So, yeah, I would say it's not true in all cases. Um but I will also say that we are a society that's conditioned on negativity. Just imagine telling somebody that they can be successful. How often do you hear that? Not very often. You'll always hear somebody say, well, you're not gonna make anything out of yourself. You're not gonna amount to anything. You're not gonna be this, you're not gonna be that. Uh, you see a lot of things that sell in the public eye is negative. There's always a negative spin on something. There's very few positive references out there. Like if you made a movie, like the critics get more attention than the people, you know, praising absolutely. it. It's the wrong kind of the wrong kind of motivation to do absolutely. better. Absolutely. So when we as a society are conditioned on a negativity, if you look at the news, the news has more negative stories than positive stories. Imagine a positive news channel. They won't survive very long because it's kind of unattractive. While we des we desire it somewhere deep down in our core, guess what sells? Blood, guts, and gore. If you look at our video game histories, videos have evolved. Blood, guts, and gore. That's what we like. That's what we want. We want that... Uh, the ratings PG-13 is out the window. Do they make PG-13 movies anymore? Very rare. So, we're, and usually if they do make them, usually if they do make pg 13s movies, they're really not good. Right? You, you need them rated R. Exactly. Or it's PG. There's really not a PG-13 anymore or 14 or whatever it is. It's 
man, society as a whole, like we're moving towards more negative things. And so what kind of what you're asking me, and again, this is my opinion, my belief, uh, is that it's very hard. And what I see even in therapy, it's very hard to help someone build a positive self-esteem when everything that surrounds them is tearing them down in a sort. So when a, an individual says, you know, that, hey, I'm going to be president. And somebody says, no, you're not. You're not. You can't even pass sixth grade. Well, what do you think that does to that individual? It demeans them. It brings them down. Next thing you know, self-esteem go down. They stop believing in themselves. And every time something happens, the failures that they amount in life, they don't look at it as a way to be better. They just see, well, I failed here and I failed there. I failed here. Everything I do is a failure. So now they develop low self-esteem and they can't take themselves to another level without getting help. Do you, have you ever heard of uh, David Goggins? No. David Goggins is a, I think, a very special case because there's the world doesn't doesn't have a lot of David Goggins in it. But if it did, it'd be a completely different thing. Uh, David Goggins, in essence, is a former Navy SEAL, uh, a former Marine, who once he came out of the military had gained a lot of weight. I think he was close to like almost three hundred pounds, or two sixty, or two seventy, something like that. Um, had hit complete depression. Uh, he he didn't know how to read. He was a uh, of African-American descent, and he had... I know like, exactly who you're talking about. I'm sorry, I didn't know his name yeah. right off the bat. I just looked him up. Absolutely no David Goggins. Yeah, can't hurt me. He broke the world record when it came to pull-ups. He ran, like, what, 30 marathons in, like, a period of six months or something yeah. like that, something insane that no man should be, ever be able to do. He broke his knees. He, he, uh, he defecated himself as he was running the marathon and peed himself as he was doing it. He urinated in the middle of the run. He didn't stop, so he had this mentality when it came which I very much admire. And I understand there's different ways to approach mental health because everyone is completely different, even though they experience the same thing, everybody reacts differently to it. But I really like his approach when it came to like, when somebody loses their job, when someone loses their livelihood, a lot of people, that's enough to break a lot of people and say, that's it. I, there's no way out of this. I'm, I'm done. And that's when the negativity starts to spiral because they focus on that problem and they make it so big in their own mind that they can't get over it. And not, not the case for everybody. But in my personal experience, like David Goggins is one of those people like Jocko Wilkins, that people that can take the pain and use it as motivation. But it takes, I think for most people, it takes a strong background for them to be able to do that. But for David, you, you don't know where that came from because he, he had like, you know, he was beat as a, as a child. He was everywhere. He went, like, you're not going to become anything. You don't know how to read. You don't know. You, you're, you're fat. You're never going to do anything. And then to turn his life around in such a way, such a, an amazing thing but what's your opinion on it because i, I want to keep talking about it but i'm not going to so this is your this is your time so i want i want to hear what what your thoughts on it and how you know that affects people in your mind so you know one a person never knows what is going to motivate the other person to do something different uh it it takes us it takes a lot for an individual to process and see their deficiencies and turn them into something greater than what they can see right now. Uh, motivational speakers, man, I, I admire their courage. I admire what they do. Uh, I admire actually 
what everybody does because they possess something that some people aren't willing to stretch themselves to possess, and that's a desire to live. Now, hear what I said. I said they possess what some people desire to possess, a desire to live. And that desire is willing to look at life and see something different at the end. For some people, they don't have that capacity. That's kind of where therapists come into play. But how many people have access to a therapist? How many people have access to somebody that's willing to sit down and actually listen to them? How many folks have somebody in their corner that says, hey, I believe in you? And very rarely, if they don't have it, they can turn that into a positive. And that's kind of what he did. He he didn't have very many positive people in his life saying, hey, you can do whatever you want to do. He's an anomaly in our society but he gives people hope saying that, hey, if I can do it, you can do it. Not everybody possesses that because sometimes there's something else going on that stops that from happening. He didn't let his trauma be, get the best of him. What do you think about those people that often, because in, in David's example, as it has, I mean, personally, I can attest to some of that because I feel like that's me, but I can't understand what I haven't gone through or I haven't experienced to some degree. So I know that there's people that are completely different than David, but I, I attach myself to David in a sense because I understand I've I've felt those times in my life. And even though my life in some times, in some periods were difficult, there's people that went through way worse. So I can never say my life was that hard, but I, I, I have that fire to live. I want to learn things. I want to ask things. I want to experience things. And I know there's people that don't. So my, my mindset, I, I want to ask you this. I know there's some people that become... Um, discouraged through conflict, discouraged through negativity. Um, but there's also some people that become discouraged through positivity, right? So if they, be, they, be, they receive too much positive reinforcement, and then at one some point they find out that maybe it's not as easy or they're not as great or they're not what they expected themselves to be based off of the positive reinforcement they receive, they break down as well. Because I have, before I ask the question, I guess, I know some people in, in my life who can even clearly attest and admit, because in conversation, we'll, we'll get into some topics and they'll say, well, you know, I, I was sheltered. I'm like, well, that's you know, I'm not, I'm not criticizing you or anything. For, for, I mean, I'm, I'm happy you were in a sense because you didn't have to go through that. But at the same time, you know, they, they, they admit themselves. I don't know how it feels to like for any of that. Not that I want to feel it, but I just I don't care for it because I don't know it. But then they're also the same ones that get easily if something becomes like we're doing push-ups as an example, we hit like 10, like, oh, no, nah, man, I can't do anymore. The first one's to give out. I'm like, why? Dude, you can do more. Like, you don't know my body. You're right. I don't know your body, but I'm pretty sure you can do more. You look like you have the energy too, and this guy has less energy than you. And he's doing more than you. So that's a, now that's your mentality, putting that artificial block in front of like what could be potential pain. But at the end, you could receive much more from going through the pain. So... What do you think about positive reinforcement? Obviously, it's positive, but just by the sound of it, but it may not be so positive. But what's your thought on it, being someone that knows and has dealt with this before? So for me as a therapist, and this is as a therapist, you know, I'm giving you that view. You have to know an individual to know what they need. So giving to someone too much praise can be detrimental, yes. Giving them just the right amount has to be figured out based on, again, their history. In society, we don't give people enough time 
to gain a history. When we become friends, we don't take a history. We just like, hey, we got something in common. What's up, dude? Let's have it. Yeah. Dude, you can do that. Yeah. You can be better. You can do it. Ah, you don't know. You just become friends without a history. You don't know a person's pain. You don't know a person's failures and goals and achievements at that moment. So to give it, we just kind of organically fall into doing what we know. And that's praising or demeaning. So, you know, in, in relationship to the gentleman we were just talking about, how he could become what he became, that's an internal thing. And for everybody, you got to figure out internally, who are you? What do you desire? What do you want most out of your life? And you don't have to be trapped by what your mind tells you you can't do, but give it a try and persevere through it. It's just like you guys, when you... You, you could possibly start out a podcast just saying, hey, this is fun. And then the fun started turning into, hey, I got a following. And then it's like, dude, we got to come up with more content. We got this thing is growing. And now it's could be starting to become more of a passion. Well, guess what? You guys were willing to go through the struggles to get to where you are now. And even now you can foresee more struggles coming, but yet you you built some some momentum and sometimes that's all it takes and nobody knows what it's going to take for that individual to find that momentum it could be a speech it could be something else i watched uh uh sometimes you know on on you know your favorite social media channel they have like these videos and clips of somebody doing something very unique there was this kid on there and i i wish i could remember his name but i can't uh he said the one thing he wanted was for his father to see him play football on national tv well, all along the way, his life did not reflect him playing football on national TV. But then he heard a, a speech by Martin Luther King, and not the whole speech, but just one part in the speech changed his life. And sometimes that's what a person needs, is something that will help them change their life. I, I wish I could say I remember what it was, but it, it was just one thing that he heard and he went on to become a college athlete. He played at TCU, and now he's a motivational speaker, and he uses his platform to help people know, like, hey, don't give up. Whatever your circumstances are, you can still overcome them if you find the right motivation. I feel like that's like lighting someone else's torch, right? You have the fire that was passed down to you. Maybe you had a small ember and then it became a huge bonfire, and you're passing that on to someone else. I think that's the power of like the, for me, especially like I'm telling you, like David Goggins came in late in the game in my life. But before that, you know, my motivation as a kid, you know, everybody finds something that gets them to the next point in their life. And if they don't, unfortunately, you know, I mean, you know, it, it depends who you come across first. For me, you know, it was fictional, but Batman was one of those things, right? Someone who, who was sure people can focus on the fact that he had money, but like it's fictional. But for me, like he lost his parents, right? He saw it. He saw them both get gunned down in front of him. It's hard to say that he doesn't have some mental problems for him to dress up as a bad and fight crime, but but he decided to do something about it, right? He be, he found a purpose in his life. I wouldn't say he found peace or happiness, but he did find purpose. But in, that was just enough to know in my mind, like if he was an average person, he trained himself in the comics to become like you know the smartest man, to be fast and agile. Something I at that moment didn't realize is not possible for normal people. It was enough of a push for me to be like, maybe I can do it. 
and it helped me personally. I'm not I'm not Batman, right? I mean, Demonic can say I look better than Batman, but that's not. I mean, I you do that. like it's just the blonde hair that you have. Like, I'm sorry, like the blonde hair late. and the blue eyes. That's what, yeah. That's what I mean, like you're, like, and also you know, like it, you are you are kind of his height. He is six foot seven. You know, like just I, honestly, true. you Everybody look you look that. you look better than Batman in my in my opinion. But you know, no, but like as you're saying that a lot of people like they they may not have real life influences you know like probably this person you're talking about really doesn't influence them you know even though he went through all this struggle you know they probably like they're like eh, not for me but a lot of people do end up getting influenced by like for instance comic books you know comic books anime like dragon ball z like like stuff you know like uh like shit whoops like even pokemon you know like it, they can even like you know like like ash catch him you know like he like he wants to be the best he wants to catch them all you know like he has he has a purpose you know and some people are like oh okay well maybe i can like relate to this like because on me when i was growing up that's how that's how i became like kind of like who i am you know it's just like cartoons you know like i always wanted to be like dragon ball z you know like 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 um the sands you know like uh every Saiyan, time they get Saiyans. Yeah, the sands, you know, every time, every time they get, every time they get beat down or whatever, you know, like they just become stronger, you know, and then they're able to fight their opponents, you know, but that's pretty, uh, it's pretty interesting how Z referred to, you know, like, like he, he liked Batman and, you know, what Batman stood for and how he became, you know, and, uh, yeah, cause like on me, I don't really, I, I'm kind of weird that way, you know, I really don't, um, take other people's like, like, um, how would you say it? Like their upbringings, their life, their, what they went through in life. I really don't like have that motivate me. Like to me, I'm motivated by other stuff. It is pretty much what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. So one of the things that is hard to help somebody in our society is figure out who they are and what makes them tick. A lot of people don't take time to figure out what they love to do and what they like to do and really make a distinguishment between that. And I, I'll never forget it, man. In 2009, that was the question posed to me. What do you like to do and what do you love to do? And figuring that out takes some time. And so I would say one of, one of the things that I do say all the time is figure out what you love to do and make that your career. Because if you love it, you'll do it for free. And if you love it, if you decide to take make that your career, the money will be there because everything in your life will turn around to fit that love. Does that take away from you loving somebody else and another person? No. Can you get so fixated on what you love that you miss out on other people? Absolutely you can. But then there's this thing called balance. Learning balance in it all. Learning like, hey, how does a family fit into what I'm doing? Can they fit into what I'm doing? Right? It's a lot of choices. And so you have to methodically work through all of those things. And that's kind of what I help people do as well is like, hey, let's unlock your potential. I can't say that you're going to be the next great psychologist. But if you tell me that you absolutely love drawing, I can say, hey, I can look at your work and say, you got something there. Pursue it. Keep going. Go to a school and learn what it takes to be on that next level. Get around the people that's at that level you want to achieve and learn. You know, they say that uh, although someone else might have better natural born ability, natural talent, someone else might have more money, someone else have might, might have more opportunity. The one thing that he, anybody can have 
is hard work. Anybody can work harder than anyone else to achieve something. So someone else can be a great discus thrower, a great marksman, a great runner, a great, you know, swimmer. But you can you can even things out by putting the work and time into it. Even if you don't become the greatest, you can become, you know, you can find a niche. You can find an area where you can get better at it than anyone else can because you worked hard at it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, you're only going to do as much as your passion is into it. You're only going to do as much as you like it, like to do it. If you, so part of me taking this journey, I realized that I, I was a person that would start a lot of things, but drop a lot of things off because I would lose interest. I would start different work jobs and like them, but I wouldn't stick with them because it wasn't my interest. It didn't keep my interest. And that's part of our problem in society is like, you know, we typically teach our kids to do what we do or like something that's going to make them, them the most money and be successful. If you look at the hip hop industry, I'm just using that. I'm picking on it. I like hip hop. I absolutely am. A, I'm pretty eclectic when it comes to music, but you know, that area is one of the things I join. I like most of the people that make it, they aren't, your average person that's walking the street. A lot of these folks have college degrees. Right. People don't know that. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people just assume that the way they dress or act, that they, you know, they have a certain background. But in reality, a lot of them are college educated. A lot of them know how to market themselves. A lot of them, they're playing, you know, they're playing a game, you know, in the end of the day. Some Some of them, some of them are actually. I'm not saying that some of them don't. Some of them do. But they had that thing that you said, that work ethic, that drive, that determination. But yet, they're still staying, some of them are still staying relevant because they stay into that lane, which is their passion. You don't stay relevant in something if it's not your passion. You know, I was going to mention this earlier. Um, There's like three things I wanted to hit in this uh, short episode. I really wanted to touch upon the fact that I've come across a lot of different people in my short life. And I think, you know, I love to talk to people. And I'm, I'm the weird one, for sure. I'll be in a bus of strangers, and I'll be the first one. Hey, man, how you doing? Like, just start. I'll freak and it's only out. because it's only because, like, he just stares directly into their eyes as he's walking into to the bus. You know, Make like, that he, eye contact. he scopes them out and, like, just stares at them, you know. And, like, after five minutes of him just staring and not blinking, then he'll go up to you and be like, hey, man, what's up? Like, I couldn't help you that you, you were staring at yeah. me. You know, that that's Z right there. One one thing I've come across is I love people that are positive. I love that. You know, one of the things I was telling people we had into we got into this kind of an argument, but more of a conversation because my friends and I disagree in so many things, but yet we agree on so many things. And for me, that's like the most beautiful part of having a friendship on not having to agree on 100 percent of things, because that makes you grow. It makes you when you disagree in something that it helps you either rethink your stance on that topic or strengthen your stance on that topic or question it. Right. So you'll do one of the three things eventually. So me and my friends were talking about there's different tastes in music, obviously. I love hip-hop, right? I, I grew up uh, listening a lot to, uh, well, besides Nas, I was listening to Lupe Fiasco. He was one of my favorite of all time, man. Um, I listened to a little bit of Logic's new music and stuff like that. You know, there's there's the scene changes over time because it, it speaks to a different generation. Nobody can really, you know, it's just how it is. But he says he likes rock music and he likes band music and he likes this and this. I'm like, which is cool. You know, everybody has a different taste. He doesn't So how come you don't like that? Why do you like rap? He's like downplaying rap. He doesn't like it. It's like, it's just full of like, 
you know, the, the same chorus being sung over over and over. He would make references to, like, Lick Me Like a Lollipop, which is like, yeah, okay, that's radio hip-hop, bro. That's radio, radio rap. That's not what everything – that's not all of hip-hop. For me, I like lyricists. I like people that are storytellers, people that can make you feel like you're watching a movie when you close your eyes and listen to a song. Make puts you there. But what I was letting him know is that, to me, rap is more about – what I was saying about David Goggins, the same thing as Batman is like, you know, this is where you're at in life. This is not where you're going to stay. I'm going to do whatever I can to move ahead. Like it gives you a, a sense of like pushing like a strength that other music is like, you know, just like, it's like encouraging cutting. It's like encouraging sadness. It's like, she hates you. And they start screaming. It's like, she abandoned you and she cheated on you. I'm like, okay, bro. But none of this is helping. It's just like restating the repackaging the same emotion to pass it on in a song format. So I was, we were almost joking, like, how many people have you, and we were listening to, uh, me and I was talking to Demonic about this, that uh, one of the things that Dave Chappelle has said in one of his stand-up specials is, like, the guy that was working as a manager for Foot Locker, he's, like, he compared that to, like, uh, what what's his name, Bourdain? Bourdain, right? Chef Bourdain? Chef Bourdain. Well, he was the guy that was traveling the world, and he was, like, you is know. Anthony, I think it's Anthony Bourdain, yeah. right? Yeah, Anthony Bourdain, yeah. So he was, why like. Say, why did I say chef? That's Anyways, keep on. But how, you know, he compared that similarity between, like, they both had, you know, one had a great life, and obviously it was just great on the surface because he had mental problems that he didn't deal with, and, uh, you know, he he ended his life, which is a horrible thing that happened. But then you compare it to the other guy who went through everything who should have, like, in the eyes of, like, society, like, well, that looks like it's not going anywhere. He was like, oh, it's going to get better, man. He had that mentality that is very different. And I think a lot of the things you watch and listen really influence, obviously it influences us because we're all sponges. Even we're more sponges as we're kids. And as we grow up, we're still sponges. We just have less room to take in new things. So we become crusty sponges. But some people become really bitter and negative, And some people like to wallow in negativity and sadness. This is really weird for me. But what do you think? Because I know you've dealt with those. I'm sure you have clients that no matter how much you try to help them it's like well you know what he's like oh i always get dumped i'm 36 i'm still single you're like well maybe you know you just gotta wait longer maybe there's things you need to work on it's like no nah, it's over for me i'm like okay well you know maybe you should no nah, it's over i don't know what's the point I'm like, okay looks i'm trying to help you man some people just like it they like that sadness they like you know pretending to be sick so the doctors can give them more attention maybe because they want the attention but they don't know how to get it otherwise so they focus on negativity in order to get garner that but what's your thoughts on people that are that like that because there is people that like sadness and negativity. Absolutely. And again, for me, because I'm a trauma therapist, I know that energy that that person has come from a certain place. And for me to get to that place with that particular client, everybody's different. And I, I have to make sure that I respect everybody for who they are. Um, you might hate spiders. Another person might hate roaches. You might like roaches. They might hate spiders. Who knows? Everybody's different. And I can't treat everybody with the same format. Some people trust faster than others. Some people will never trust hypothetically in their life because they haven't been with someone who they could trust. So, Therapy's really tricky on that. And to answer that question, you know, for, for most people, I would say, how much are you willing to listen to the other person without judging them? How much are you willing to listen to the other person without putting your life experience into their lives and saying they could do something because you've done it? 
maybe they don't have the capacity to do that same thing that you've accomplished right then because they have some other things going on, some demons inside telling them the, the exact same thing that over and over again, even after this podcast, that demon might jump out and say, hey, you know what he was saying on there wasn't true. And that's just become a history of what they're doing. So you have to understand the things that go in to make that person feel that there is no positive thing for them. You have to understand it. And unfortunately, we don't give individuals that time, that capacity to be able to explain it. Because, you know, think about when you're in a relationship. It's good, it's bad, you just kind of take it. You get into arguments and sometimes you leave those arguments unresolved. Well, somebody's going to get bitter after a while of having a bunch of unresolved things. And if you just keep passing them, passing them off like they don't exist, well, that person may not exist in your life very long because you don't, they feel like you don't care. As Do you we got to care. We got to want to care. Do you know uh, the expression when they say that you often uh, hate things in other people that you see in yourself, but maybe not admit? Like when you see somebody who's like negative, you're like, oh, I hate that so much. I'm like, well, maybe it's because deep down inside you're a little negative. You see that, you reflect on it. Like, you know, like how they make those jokes about girls or like make fun of other girls. Like, look at that little short little dress that she's wearing. Oh, that looks like such really like slutty outfit. I'm like, well, how come there's five girls and only you were the only one that made that statement? I wonder if like there's. You see something in them, not necessarily all the time, but it seems like it's true. I, I would. Do you think like people see things in others that they dislike, but maybe not realize that sometimes it's inside of them or it's part of them? So I, would say, I can answer that real quick. Like, uh, yes, because I hate people. I hate guys that wear ponytails. But I mean, if you can see, <laughs> I have one myself. <laughs> no, but go ahead. So it's go ahead, easier, Chuck. more. Rec- it's easier. It's easier to identify the things that you disliking other people because you know what it is you can't dislike something if you don't know what it is to that degree that's true right it's just like if you've never tasted sushi and you say i hate sushi well how do you know you never tried it that's so true yeah yeah you can be allergic to it and say man i hate sushi but why do you hate it because i'm allergic to it oh okay but have you ever tried it well, I can't. I eat fish. I can't eat fish. So maybe it's not that you hate it. Maybe it's just that you would love to try it, but you can't because it'll have an adverse effect on you. I'm a, I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy. I'm a huge fan of stand-up comedy. Anything that makes a person stronger by the, what I've what's helped me get stronger, I appreciate. Because I only know my own experiences. I've, I've always been open to learn other people's experiences. And trust me, I have friends that are completely... They're, I'm not into politics, but my friends or the people I know are. So they they come from both sides, you know, or three from three sides of the uh, equation here. So I know that we're running out of close out of time. So I want to oppose. I want to pose these two situations. I want to see what you think and maybe uh, give your thoughts on it. So if you had to choose one out of the three, what would it be? Peace, happiness, or purpose? Because one of those can trump the others, but, or maybe not, depending on the person. What do you think? Well, explain to me, why do you think, which one would you pick? Peace, happiness, or purpose? Because it's almost like they're intertwined. But if you had to pick one, because you really, it's really hard to, I guess. So for me, that that's not a, 
hard question to ask. I was just wanted to make sure I phrase it the right or answer. I just want to make sure I phrase it the right way. Mine is purpose. I would say if you understand what your purpose is, you'll have peace and happiness because that's the thing that most people search for. You'll often hear people say, well, why am I, why do I even exist? Why am I here? Why do I matter? Well, in my line of work, I, I try and help people find their purpose. And deep down inside, everybody wants the ability to connect. We're human beings. That's our design. That's our DNA. We are not meant to be by ourselves. We're meant to connect. And that's why, again, if you want to wrap up what's happening with COVID and why people are seeking therapy so much is that the ability to connect, even in the simplistic way of just going outside and having someone else be around you has been kind of taken away. So purpose, once you find your purpose, you'll, you, you definitely will have a way to connect with people because if I haven't found my purpose, then I don't know what makes me happy. And I'll always be searching for something that makes me happy because I'm not happy because I'm just existing and everything I do is just to exist. Once you find your purpose, you'll see exactly how to be happy and how to be loved because then you'll have more balance. I want to pose that question to you too, Demonic. What would you pick? Because I think that that's a very good explanation. But what would you pick? Peace, no, happiness, or purpose? Honestly, like I would have to, I would have to side with Charles over here because um, purpose. It's purpose. You know, like you can. I think you mean Chuck, right? Chuck, Charles, Paul. I call him Paul. <laughs> the man of many names. I call him. I call him Chocolate Voice. You know. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so it's gonna be purpose for me because purpose, like, um, if you don't have a purpose in life, then like Paul says, or chuck or charles like he says you know um you're just there you know like th there could be a person that's just like all all this person does their whole entire life is just game right just game 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 like doesn't talk to anybody else doesn't like nobody knows that that he's even there that he's alive you know he's really not making a dent in in other people's lives like you know if like god forbid you know like this he passes away or whatever you know like nobody's really going to remember him, you know, because how did you like, he was just there, you know, like, I feel like if you have a purpose, if you feel like um, you're going to be accomplished, right? So like, no matter what the purpose is, if somebody's purpose is to help, um, help build churches, you know, or help, um, help give running water, you know, to Africa, or, you know, donate food or this and that, you know, at least they're, they're, they're doing something positive and it's a purpose in their life that they're going to like, they're fulfilling, you know, like it doesn't have to be like, it could bring them joy, you know, they can be happy for it. But like at the end of the day, like um, th they're doing something that, that they love to do, you know, that they're uh, that they feel like it's the greater, like greater purpose in life than other than just, just existing. If you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I think I would have been on the same boat to say purpose uh a while ago i think recently because of everything that's happened is reinforced my thought and my my reading and other books and other mentalities i think now i would say I, I would prefer to pick peace because if your purpose was let's say for example your purpose is to build houses but you're locked in the you know covid and your company's been shut down you no longer can fulfill your purpose or like your purpose is to make art or music and now 
there's no way to make music. Let's say your your instruments are in the studio and you're not, it's like across the world, you're locked down in another country, you can't do it. Maybe you'd make music with spoons or something, right? Or or whatever. You'd find an alternative way to fulfill that purpose. But some purposes, let's say you find out the purpose of your life from the from a creator, from an alien, that your purpose was really just just to collect berries and now you're you know you're lifting weights and you 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 work in a different job but that's what really your whole purpose was you'd be really unhappy to know that's what it was but if you find peace i feel like you can convert peace into happiness at any point but you really can't convert happiness into peace because peace is that singular thing because if your purpose was something that you're not happy with or something that you are happy with but if you have no peace it's really hard to kind of like work it in my mind that's the way i think of it but i know that that's not you know everybody's idea but purpose is very important but i feel like without that the the ability to be peace at peace with yourself in your mind and be able to tap into the peace whenever you need it it makes it really hard i think to to find a really happy and long existence in my mind that's the way i think about it but i definitely understand the idea of purpose there so i would i would not to try to sway you you from going from what you're saying but to sway you from going what you're saying i I work with a lot of people who are trying to figure out life and what is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of my existence? And a lot of times, think about this for a second and just ponder it. Some people go to college to get a degree in something that they don't love to do, but it's gonna make them the most money and do all these other things for them. Let's say you go to college for a degree in accounting, you're good at math, but math's not your passion, but in accounting, it takes a lot. So now you go to college and you spend those four years getting that degree, maybe eight years, if depending on how far you want to go. And you find out later on in life that you really don't like accounting. So at one point you thought that was your passion, which you thought that was going to be the thing that you did for the rest of your life, but you found out, Hey, I don't like that. You really haven't done the work to see what your purpose or your passion is. So to attribute that level of happiness, remember I said, you figure out your passion in life, you'll find your purpose. Figure out what you absolutely love to do. And no matter what the circumstance, you'll find a way to do it because that's your passion. That's what your heart at the end of the day says, that's what I'm going to do. You'll find peace in that. Because now you know, no matter what, if it's breaking ice off a boat in Alaska during the winter, if that's your passion, go for it. Sometimes we can't take that and turn it into something because what's in our head is what other people want us to be. We get too focused no peace on there. what someone else wants for us instead of what we want. Yeah. Right. I think that's true. Okay. Well, I mean, our, our hour is almost up. Uh, Chuck, you can send uh, the bill to Z. All right. Covered. <laughs> you know, uh, it's coming, man. It's $250 an hour to see me. No, I'm not <laughs> so my last, um, so pretty much like my last uh, closing, whatever, I want you to have the last words. You can, you can do with whatever, you know, after, after what I'm about to ask, you know, you can pitch yourself, you know, like just give your name one more time, you know, yes. give your company do name, the plugs. you know, do the plugs, you know, give out your email, you know, where people give out your business phone number. If you have one, you know, like after this, but um, my last thing would be to you 
is in this world that is full of negativity, full of, you know, this pandemic, how everybody's lives have been flipped upside down. You know, nobody knows what's going on anymore. You don't, you don't know if you're going to catch, you don't know if you're going to catch COVID. You don't know if COVID is just the flu or if, if you get, if you catch COVID, if you're going to die, you know, all these, um, all these riots that are going on, all these protests, you know, all this, this whole political atmosphere, you know, here in the United States, you know, we're, we're getting ready to, you know, elect a new, a new leader, you know, out of all this stress, out of all of life stresses that is going on, you know, some people just don't know how to handle it. You know, some people are like, for them, you know, the next president can be life or death decision, you know, like, like if, like if Trump wins, oh my God, Trump wins. If Biden wins, oh my God, Biden wins. You know, like this whole like uh, defund police stuff. You know, all this is just so much going on in the world that's overwhelming people. In these last moments, how would you, to our audience, if they are going through something, like with and and not knowing them per se, you know, because you did talk about you know how you have to know them. They're they're growing. They're you know how how they grew up and all that. Like, what are some words of advice to like keep them going? You know, like like drop all the stresses in their life. You know, like just keep looking forward. And that's pretty much like my closing question for you, Charles. That is super broad. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. But like, it's just too many questions, man. No, like it's a it's a many it's like a lot of questions in one. But pretty much like to like, have to make it, it simple. Down. To make it simple is you know out of life stresses, you know somebody that's like that can't deal with all this stuff going on anymore. You know, like how would you like you know get their mind off of stuff? Pretty much is what I'm trying Self-care to say. Self care would be my example of that. It's like uh, make sure at the end of the day that you're taking care of yourself. Mentally, physically, and emotionally. If the stuff that's going on around you is causing you more stress, get rid of it. Don't let it cause you more stress because it's going to be there whether you want it to be there or not. The easiest thing to do is to remove that from your life. That stressor, that thing that's causing you the most grief, hey, don't tune in. Don't buy into it. Be safe. Be aware. But you don't have to buy into it. If if it's if it's if you if your source of that information is social media, consider changing the social media platform or cutting it off. Mm-hmm. See a therapist. My name is Chuck Anderson. I'm in Fairfield, California. I do therapy online. Uh, look me up at therapy at gmail.com. You can look on Psychology Today and find me, Charles Anderson, My Niche Therapy. You can also find me on Facebook, My Niche Therapy. If you want to talk, hey, I got some openings right now. Uh, I am expensive, but I think I, 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 I got a proven track record of helping people. Um, because some of the things that we talked about today, they aren't just that simple. And I know it. But what is simple is that you can learn and, and love and take care of yourself. All right, and we'll definitely have all these links to you know to your uh, your website, your Facebook, all this. You know, we'll we'll put down in the podcast description. You know how we can, how people can get a hold of you. Right, right. Well, Chuck, it was a uh, it was a pleasure having you on our podcast, and I'll probably be seeing you on later on. You know, playing some domination, playing some hardcore Absolutely. domination. Right. But it was a pleasure having you on. And hopefully maybe next time um, 
we can have you on again later on, you know, for another podcast, because you did uh, on your Facebook, you released a video where you went and talking about like your upbringings. You know, I know we weren't able to get to that today, you know, but I, I feel like in today's climate, you know, that will your story would help out a lot of people, you know, and especially like, you know, uh, out of everything going on. You know, I really want your story out there. Absolutely. I look forward to it. All right, guys. Catch you in the next one.